Tubals in a China Shop is brought to you by these great companies that are giving us money to let you listen to their stuff. Bullshit, Kyle. We make this show. We make this show. You and me. Tubals in a China Shop is brought to you by us. <laughs> Someone's got to pay the bills, Dan, because it's not our trading. <laughs> <laughs> All right, roll them. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. You are listening to an entertainment program put together by a company called Financial Ineptitude. Anything said on this show is not an endorsement or professional advice. Would you really want to tell a court of law you were suing us because you thought taking financial advice from two idiots on a podcast put out by Financial Ineptitude was a good idea? Really? Clown hats on your face. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The China Shop. I am your host, Kyle, and joining me this week is the vivacious vagabond, Victorio Stefanov from Trade Pro Academy. <laughs> from Trade Pro Academy. How are you doing, uh, Vico? I'm doing well. I didn't, I didn't think you'd get through that intro. <laughs> uh, well, I got a lot more to go. <laughs> Before we dive into today's discussion, I'd just like to take a quick moment to say thank you to our sponsors and friends over at Manscaped, Trade Pro Academy, and Orderflow Labs. By now, we all know Manscaped is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming, but did you know they launched a line of beard care products? Lucky for you, we have an exclusive offer of 20% off and free worldwide shipping using promo code 2 at manscaped.com. As always, that is the number two. And when it comes to institutional quality trading education, just keep listening to see why tradeproacademy.com is the place to be. In our free Discord server, you'll also find instructions to take advantage of our discount with them as well. Just don't tell George. And for, <laughs> for all you degenerates who enjoy trading futures, you'll definitely want to check out the custom tools and studies at orderflowlabs.com. If you enjoyed today's conversation, you can learn more about today's guest by following Vico on Twitter at Torio Trades, or you can check out the aforementioned tradeproacademy.com or give one of the many other episodes we've done together a listen. Uh, and then lastly, be sure to reach out with your suggestions, corrections, or questions for future guests. You can do that via email at twobulls at financialineptitude.com, or you can join our free Discord server where a bunch of amazing people gather to share our struggles and lessons learned with other like-minded market aficionados. All of those links will be in the episode description. Now that we got all that crap out of the way, we can uh, we can find out what's going on with Vico. Perfect, perfect. Um, thanks for having me on again. This is, uh, I don't know how many times I've been on, but always appreciate it. It's been a while, actually, so this is this is good. Has it been since the uh, the Festivus episode? Is that like a year ago? I think so. <laughs> Over a year. I was going to try to do one this year, but we had just too much going on with the oh, whole yeah. move. And I think you, you're in the middle of a move, too, aren't you? Yeah, I, I left uh, Canada for, let's see, like a year. Um, that's the plan. We'll see what happens afterwards, but... I left at the end of September. Now I'm in uh, Europe, just generally everywhere. I'm currently in the Canary Islands right now in Tenerife. Oh, that's got to be the fucking dream. Uh, <laughs> you can only do that when you're single, though. Yeah. Well, see, the thing is, I am now single. So. <laughs> oh, were you not single before that? I was not single? single before that. And then, yeah. Or is that how you got to be single? <laughs> it isn't, honestly. It isn't because she moved to Europe as well. It just didn't pan out. Gotcha. Gotcha. So what about Trade Pro Academy, though? 
Well, Trade Pro Academy, like this, I was about to say, we'll now have more time to trade and, and do this stuff, the stuff that we've been growing here at Trade Pro Academy. Now we've got a lot of things that are getting launched um, at the beginning of this year, right? We've made a decent amount of changes, even from the start of the year, even right when January hit, we launched what we call this Inner Circle Masterclass. It's, it's a, they're recorded calls on a set list of topics that were pre-launched and uh, the duration of this is eight months and I'm doing one for futures and options and the premise is every week uh, twice or I should say every month twice a month rather than every week every every month twice a month we will drop a video on a specific topic that kind of builds on the previous one available to mm. all of our members so um, with options for example we've talked about uh, the overall macro situation uh, we've talked about selling credits which is a big thing at trade pro academy these days uh, and then in futures, we've talked about like news trading coming into the Fed um, and uh, the importance of psychology and some strategy stuff so far. And there's there's a lot more to come. You're also doing some like uh, one on one stuff. I think one of our uh, listeners was telling me about some of the stuff he'd been learning working with you one on one. Is it Mark? I think Mark D. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've been doing some one on one. There's I've. I've had a few marks, so and a few mics, so <laughs> yeah, it's um, common name. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, we've uh, the premise of that is kind of just like breaking down pretty much how I trade, and I trade on like a larger scale, uh, meaning not size wise, but like taking a larger view of the market to see if we can get those like 10, 20, 30 point moves, mm -hmm. uh, which is based a lot on profiles, whether it's a market or volume profile and also order flow. Yeah. Um, I think those are just like the, the pillars of futures trading realistically order flow. I mean the Dom. Um, yeah. The Dom has been my demon. I think uh, like definitely uh, I've been focusing a lot more on bigger picture for myself and, and using the, levels that I come up with through the volume profile, TPO, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, just price action in general. And definitely uh, saw an improvement when I stopped trying to take little scalps on every single move and started waiting for bigger levels. Yeah, yeah. There's When you understand what goes on with like distribution, this is something that we've um, kind of drilled in at Trade Pro Academy over the past, like, it's been over a year now, but like, it's it's been the main, main uh area of interest, the volume profile and understanding how distributions and distribution theory works, mm -hmm. because it just, it allows you to take like less risk for a pretty substantial move and keeps you patient. Like when you find a big distribution, like the one we've been trading in for the past, I'd say few weeks between 4105 and 41, like 70, mm -hmm. that's, it's like a 60, 70 point range where I see the top, I see the bottom, I know what I'm doing, right? Right. <laughs> and it's, it's almost like a no brainer, but understanding how those distributions form and how they work, uh, even through um, the depth of market and the volume profile really allows you to have confidence in those, in those trades. So how do you use the DOM yourself then uh, when you are focusing on the bigger picture like that? If I like, there's there's a few different ways I like to look at it. Obviously, I like to consistently scan it and see what the reaction is of buyers and sellers through moves. Mm -hmm. So, like for example, if we're if we're if we're moving up towards a level, um, and on the buy side, there's a lot of market buyers, right? And there's larger orders, like maybe two, three hundred, go through the book. And if they can continue buying with decent size to the upside, I consider that like a stronger bid, right? Obviously, there's going to be some sellers that try to kind of stop them, but it's how the, how the buyers react to those sellers that try to stop them, right? Mm -hmm. If there's substantial moves, I'd say like two to three points in either direction against 
the current trend, which is in this scenario up, then you start wondering, okay, well, if these larger sellers came in, maybe this bid isn't as strong, so so on and so forth, right? That's just generally how the mark, how I look at the market movement. When it comes into levels, like very key levels, I'll usually have like levels maybe 10 to 20 points apart mm-hmm. based on distributions. And I'll look for a big fight on the DOM realistically there. I really love stuck longs and stuck shorts where you just accumulate a massive absorption um, at a high or at a low where you have like thousands of lots going through the book and they just can't continue their move. Right. And then you get this like reactive rejection on the DOM and that's just perfect for a reversal. Um, those are, they're not as common, I'd say, but that's like probably the top, top trade that I would put most of my size on. Right. So do you watch Delta then a lot too then to, um, to identify those spots where people are getting offsides? I wouldn't say like, well, it's a version of Delta. It's like a volume profile kind of that's split between the bid and ask. So you can see like which one is overpowering. So a kind of Delta. Yeah. Ah, okay. That's kind of neat. It doesn't, it's, you see both sides of it. So it's not like for Delta, for example, it'd be like negative, like a thousand, right? In this case, it'd be like 2,500 versus like 1,500, you know? So you just see which side is the aggressor. Yeah, exactly. Or which side is getting stuck at that area where there's like, let's say like 3,000 shorts have accumulated at a low and it can't break. And you're like, okay, well, there's like a massive negative delta here and they can't go. And then the dom gets a rebid and you're like, okay, well, I need to be long at this point. Right, right. Now you mentioned uh, the renewed focus on psychology. That was something that I remember George being a big proponent of. And I think that was the basis of mind over markets, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was... um, it's it's a huge huge aspect when it comes to uh, uh, trading, and it's it's a very I think difficult task to navigate and correct someone's psychology, and it kind of I think it more so comes within, mm-hmm. like identifying where your weak points are and where your strengths are, and like what I like to do is focus more on the strengths, <laughs> right, um, and try to minimize the the weak points. Like the weak points, it's it's hard to to break off a weak point, I think, in trading. I think in trading, the best you can do with a weak point is just like push it away so it happens less. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and then make your strength like really strong so it kind of compensates for that. Obviously, there are some weak points where it's just like, like shit, I can't stop over trading. Then you have to set some hard barriers for yourselves like locking accounts, blah, 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 and just like forcing yourself to do those things because if you don't um, – take that initiative then it's just going to continue right no one's there no one no one's watching you no one's sitting over over your shoulder and being like okay you can't do that anymore right yeah that's the the hardest thing that's why i think having just uh uh someone to to hold you accountable whether that be like a group that you're within or or, uh maybe your spouse or a friend just somebody that you can like that's going to review the trades with you and you're going to have to explain why you made a poor decision like that just having that sometimes will keep you from (laughs) making a bad decision I've said it many times for myself. Yeah, that's a that's a very good point. Like having like a very good group of like traders slash friends um, to that that are obviously in it with you, like that that, that do trade and and are occupying themselves with this. Like it really helps as an accountability aspect. Yeah, I, I think I've said it multiple times on this program, but just being like having to share a shitty trade that i made on the good bad and the ugly like knowing that i'll be having do, do i really want to talk about this friday mm, yeah maybe i'll pass because <laughs> <laughs> a lot of times you know you know you're doing something stupid yeah yeah exactly <laughs> but man it really is sometimes hard to just stop yourself in that moment like how do you um like keep yourself disciplined like what is the things that you've put in place to 
to keep you from going off the rails? Um, it doesn't really happen anymore necessarily, but like Mm -hmm. uh, before, um, I'd say like my, my weakest psychological point was, um, a balance between just like taking trades at like bad levels. If I get like stopped out, Mm kind of like revenging into it um, or like under trading and the under trading part was kind of easy. I just like put one trade on like pretty much off the open just to have some kind of red or green on the on the screen there like a PNL and it'd just be like two ticks right it's nothing crazy just like right. get it out of the way get the first trade out of the way which was a little easier I I, th- I thought that helped um, but for the over trading aspect realistically it didn't the over trading aspect honestly it was like a weird spurt of like three months for me and it just like it didn't happen before and then it just like didn't happen after but like what I did was um, I would actually like lock my account at like uh th- like max threshold loss mm-hmm. so i'd be like i don't know let's say like a couple hundred bucks or like whatever it was and then i just like couldn't trade anymore for the day then i'd have that for the week as well mm-hmm. so like if you have like three red days in a row you're just like kind of done for the week and then at that point you're like oh, okay well i can't trade so i got a review work on this and like the review was a huge huge part like reviewing trades before the bell after the bell right all the time pretty much and just having that lock on on the account really really helped because i was like okay well i know i only have like five bullets today or four bullets whatever whatever the number was Mm -hmm. and it's like if if this doesn't go well like i'm kind of done trading for the week you know (laughs) right (laughs) i want to hear more about the under trading i don't think i've ever heard anybody mention that as being an issue really and so like yeah i know a lot of people they're just like a little more fearful of putting like a risk on the table like when it Mm -hmm. comes to trading sometimes right or they'll like they'll get into a trade and like scratch it right away. Cause like, Oh yeah. Okay. That, yeah. Subconsciously they just like don't want to be in the trade, which is like one of the things that I've been talking to our group about a lot. Like I've been telling them my perspective of like why I don't scratch. Um, because like when I get into a trade, the risk is already defined, right? If I have a three point stop, I have a three point stop, right? I'm willing to take that risk. That's why I'm in this trade. You know what I mean? So like, why would I cut the position short if I've already defined my risk? Right, because mm-hmm. then that screws up your risk to reward. Let's say you scratch and you do a good scratch, one tick, right? You lose only a tick, great. But then you scratch and you scratch like a one point winner that turns a, that could have been a ten point winner, and then the next trade you take a minus three point loss. You know, it just yeah the imbalance of your trades and your PNL and the like the growing PNL at that point is just it gets too wild. Like if you can't scratch like a like an algo, then like I, you just shouldn't, in my opinion. That's funny that you bring that up. That's actually one of the issues that I struggled with earlier last year. And I think it was, I think it was discussions with Flarry when we started our back to the futures uh, mini series that mm-hmm. he finally like pointed that out. It took a while for me to realize it, but basically the, the analogy I came up with was, okay, I save, you know, two points, nine times out of 10. But the, you know, the one out of 10 ends up running for, you know, 10 times that amount. Yeah. What did I do? I just screwed myself in the long run. Yeah. And even like, even if it's not the runner that you screw yourself on, it's like the losses that you screw yourself on versus the winners. Right. Mm -hmm. Because like, if you take, if you take like 10 trades, let's say, right, you take those 10 trades and five of them are going to be losses at 15 points. Right. Yeah. And then five of them are going to be winners at, let's say, six points, like double it, right? You're up yeah. still 15 points, right? Yep. But if you start screwing with that, 
right? And your losses, let's say two of them are, or let's say even three of them are three points, so that's minus nine. And then the other two out of those are minus ones, right? You have minus 11. But then your profits are like plus one, plus two, like plus a tick, you know, and it gets screwed very fast. Yeah, yeah. Yep, that was the cutting cutting winners too early, I think, was my biggest, biggest issue. And since I switched to a focus on just maintaining a bracket, and then you know what? The bracket's going to do the job. Yeah. Once I put the trade on, like I'll almost walk away. Like you, you define the risk, you define the profits, like everything is already done. Like you, you, you just have to do the work to qualify it. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. All the work is done by the time you click enter. Now it's just got to let it play out. You mentioned, uh, when you talked about some of the stuff that you guys are doing that you've switched over to selling, selling options is what it sounded like. Are you switching to more of a, a credit yeah, so focus like, before? Like you got to adapt to market conditions realistically. And like, I just found that going through like 20 30 50 charts on a daily basis was just like 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 it was it was a lot right to find like yeah. options plays uh-huh. and like options plays on like a short period they're they they have a high chance of just resulting in a loss right like i want to play to the strengths of what the options are meant for so yes we still do directional moves right like for example even yesterday we had um a directional move on nvidia right put so that went like 100% Right, but mm-hmm. this isn't an, a regular occurrence at TradePro anymore, where I'm just like going directional on random like names. I have a set list of maybe like, let's say like tenish stocks that I'll go through, um, and then I'll set up my levels for the week and look at them on a daily basis. And if they're trading at the regions that make sense, right? There's going to be a play there. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, I look at the SPX, um, and I'll trade a little more directionally on the SPX, but. All mainly, I think the majority of the trades now are either directional SPX or non-directional SPX where we sell actually premium because the market's changed, right? Yes, there are swings. There are swings in the market. A lot of them are due to news or they happen pre-market. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the time, especially today, in the first like hour of the session or so, you didn't go anywhere. The market didn't really move, right? right? Yeah. So when that happens and you're not getting a directional move and you can't find a stock that has a directional move, right? It's good to just use options for what they were made for and that's to burn premium realistically <laughs> right so you just start selling zero days to expiration because zero days are a lot of trades to begin with if you're going directional mm-hmm. so why not just sell them to people that want to gamble with them right <laughs> so <laughs> so how do you how, how do you, how does that change your your risk management just out of curiosity well so you wouldn't need a margin account naturally and i think the risk can be a bit bigger realistically because you're what you're doing is you're still trading based on a technical uh, basis based on like volume profiles and whatnot and you you should like kind of identify where the market is not going to go for the day which is again probably as difficult as understanding where the market is going to go for the day right but it what you what I like to do is like with credits with options you can sell premium that's like very far away from price right and if you see like a big resistance or a big volume profile that like is expected to reject or hold I'll be looking to sell put spreads or call spreads and just collect that premium like today for instance I was just like looking at this and they kept selling they kept selling a lot of indication was pointing to the downside yep i didn't think it dropped like this no me neither. But there was indication <laughs> there was indication to the downside at least for like the morning session where 
like advanced decline was dropping. A lot of tech was dropping. Nothing was really running. IWM was dropping. And I said, you know what? I'm going to sell calls on, on retraces back to the upside on the SPX, right? Mm-hmm. And realistically, like the premium that you collect usually is around like a dollar to about $2 a contract. But the spread dictates how much margin you need for that. For example, if I do a, a $10 spread on the SPX, I'm going to need $1,000 of margin per each yep. contract. So if you take 100 bucks, that's 10%, right? Mm-hmm. So you're not necessarily risking the $1,000, right? But you're realistically probably risking more than the premium position would burn. And it depends on how you want to navigate that. Sometimes people are like, okay, well, it's getting like fairly red. I'll risk like 40, 50%, right? And then just cut it there, which is is fine, right? And other times people are, look at it and say, okay, well, it's very far from the strike mm-hmm. that I've sold. I don't necessarily think it's going to get there. I'll just let this ride, right? Yeah. Yeah, because if you're selling them far enough out the money, you shouldn't even really have to. It's very rare that it's going to hit you. Yeah, exactly. Like, if you're like... If you're somewhat confident in in the in the directionality that it's not going to be at your level, then like a lot of the time, I just kind of let it let it fizzle out because like as the day goes on, even if the price doesn't move, the theta burns and the position gains value. Yep. Well, it doesn't gain value, but it gets closer to the max value. Right. Well, you, better for you. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's. Uh, so like the win rate then definitely is going to be higher on something like that. It's it's a lot higher. Like I think going into the new mm-hmm. year from like the summer, I think it was like almost 100%. Oh, which is and I'm not doing like 30 of these a day, right? Like Right. It's just like one one a day, right? Maybe like 3 to 4 a week, right? Like it's I'm just looking to collect something that has a high probability of hitting right in the new year the past this hasn't even been two months but it hasn't it's been like maybe 80 70 percent right and like some of them eh, probably closer to 80 but like some of them you just take the loss and you move on with it right yeah yeah well i mean with the better win rate you can support a a more skewed risk reward profile yeah that's interesting um so some resources then to learn more about doing it that way. Cause I don't think most people start with wanting to sell options, right? Yeah. Most, most people start out wanting to, you know, swing lotto zero day naked <laughs> calls. <laughs> it is, it is a lot more, um, I'd say, uh, difficult in terms of understanding what is going on, understanding the risk, understanding the margin. It's not, I would really, really learn about what credits are, what selling premium is and, um, what the risks and the margin involved in that is because it can get really bad really fast if you're not very aware of what exactly is going on. Mm-hmm. In terms of resources, realistically, I'm off the top of my head, like we, we're in the midst of putting stuff out right now because a lot of the education was just done like through our Discord and like whatnot mm-hmm. uh, for this specific trading style. But um, I'm sure there's a lot of resources on like YouTube and like on just online in general um but it's giving you a chance to promote your stuff man no there's nothing there to promote right it's it's, it's just (laughs) join the discord is what yeah pretty right (laughs) we talk about it there a lot but in terms of like concrete this is like a course or this is like a ebook like there i don't have anything that comes to mind right now but there's just so much information online realistically and in our discord 
Are you planning on putting together a course uh, to focus on something like that specifically? Yeah, of course. Like we've we've put it in our ICM, which is our um, Inner Circle Masterclass. We've done um, selling premium on day trading and swing trading a bit mm -hmm. for, I believe it does come out in February, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, uh, do you have a date? Uh, the first one's already out. Uh, the okay. second one, probably on Monday. You also have a free area now too. I, I think that was one thing I was really happy to see is that now people can go and like check out a couple of the courses just to yeah. see what they're getting into. Yeah, exactly. We do have a free area membership on the website. You can see a bunch of uh, videos from a bunch of lessons from uh, our courses as well uh, to kind of understand what's going on. Right um, when we when we do stuff, uh, you're like those that side of the membership is gonna see it first before like the public, but after the actual numbers naturally but um <laughs> the there there's we also have like a free discord it's like somewhat active but the free member side um you get to see like what we have to offer which uh coming very very soon is going to be the new futures course that i'm super super excited about that um the free members are going to have some access to as well um mm -hmm. so that's ideally coming out at the end of february too uh, i'm looking forward to that one so tell me what's going on with George. What's going on with George? Um, yeah, what's he up to? George is, I'm not 100% sure. George just stepped, uh, stepped out for a bit um, doing some of the family stuff. Uh, and he's he's been in the room here and there, right? He lurks a bit here and there. But I think he's just taking a step back to focus on the family stuff. Let us young guys, me and Fatty, uh, kind of go with Trade Pro and really develop like what our trading style is right it's i'd say it's yeah. it's more um systematic and more planned so it's something that i'm super excited to to be able to push out as well Longtime fans of the show should be familiar with the lender formerly known as sue pullen and i'm pleased to announce that she's back fresh off a rebrand and ready to help as sue mackey Sue is a certified mortgage advisor at Fairway Independent Mortgage, an equal housing lender who focuses on finding the right product for you and your needs. She has over 20 years of experience helping thousands of homeowners. Whether it's purchasing, refinancing, or even a reverse mortgage, Sue will help. Sue's licensed in 36 states now, so reach out and let Sue Mackey it happen for you. The best way to reach her is just give her a call at 520-977-7904 or in an email spullen at fairwaymc.com. Fairway Independent Mortgage has an MLS number of 2289. Sue Mackey has an MLS number of 206048. That email again, spullen at fairwaymc.com. And that phone number is 520-977-7904. Shoot Sue an email and let her know she needs to update that address. Uh, I got to get Fady on here too at some point. I don't think I've ever had a chance to speak with him. I listened to some of the calls with him and like his style. I like his uh, energy. Uh, just, yeah, yeah, seems like a, a good guy. He's a yeah. really, really good guy. Good friend too. I was trying to get him out to Tenerife here. Uh, we'll see if that happens. I'm here for another <laughs> like month. So One of the awesome things though was that I think Fady was started as a member, right? Yeah, yeah, he did. He's from Toronto too, actually. Like I've, I've met him a few times and we've hung out a few times as well. But um, yeah, he's he was a member. Uh, he, I think he's around my age, to be honest. If not my oh, age, yeah? like maybe like a year younger or a year older. I don't know, like my age. Mm -hmm. I don't want to say. So he started off as a member and just like really took it and ran with it. And then now he just full time trades. What did you think he did differently that other people can learn from? Um, I think he was just like. I'm not saying that other people aren't like super devoted and stuff, but like 
he really took it as like this is this is my new job and like i'm gonna learn what like trade pro has to offer but there's also things that need to be like tweaked to his personal trading his personality mm. which i think a lot of people kind of miscalculate which is something that i do want to address in this new course where that isn't necessarily the case anymore right because it's less um it's less like discretionary and more systematic in terms of yeah. like what exactly is it is what we're like what what are we doing what are we looking for how are we doing it so on and so forth so i think he he took it like a step beyond and, and thought that way from the beginning um like what is it that fits his personality and his trading and adapted what he had learned from the trade pro course into something that defined his edge i think he was able to define yeah. his edge quicker than most people which is what it comes down to well it sounds like he made the realization that i wish i would have made a lot sooner and that no two traders are the same and the setups and styles there's no right answer right yeah. the only right answer is what you can do and follow consistently yeah exactly like i've found quote unquote, a right answer that's easier for other people to comprehend. So it's something mm -hmm. that I'm putting out. Um, I don't, I can't say it's going to be like the be all and end all for everyone, but it seems to be a very easy thing to kind of wrap your head around. Right. Well, that, and you combine it with like, if you put in the work and you test it and you learn it, like you start to learn the nuances of it and you, you start to adapt it. It becomes yours, you know? Yeah. And I think like fatty understood trading and like the es and order flow i think quicker than others as well that might have played a factor in that <laughs> yeah like i said order flow is my nemesis right now <laughs> it's not just a, because it's it... not an easy task though like to be able to read the dom like you either have to have some kind of laser focus and be able to just like shift numbers in your head very quickly and understand what exactly is going on between the reactivity or well that and i should say not or and be able to sit there and look at a replay of a dom every freaking night for a very long time and understand mm -hmm. what's going on the best way i can describe learning the dom is when you're looking at the replay right throughout the day find areas of inflection right because find those big moves understand where the big moves come from for example today if you look at a big move from 65 right from yeah. 4165 you take that into account you see okay from 4165 let me just see how far did that move before i lie to you 4165 <laughs> right it drops down to 50 right it's it's a 15 point move right you find yeah. moves like that that are 15 20 points and you reverse engineer them because you have to understand why this move happened based on order flow and where it happened from and once you start doing that you start going through pattern recognition when it comes through the reactivity of the dom right when you have that replay available you see those big inflection points why did this market drop 20 points why did this market rise 50 points why did it go up 15 mm -hmm. points and when you look at that, you look at the DOM, you see those areas, those levels and how they reacted, what they did. And you'll find a lot of patterns and consistency with those moves. And that's something that has to be done on a replay realistically, but it comes from finding those areas that had those big moves. Interesting. That's, uh, I had not even considered that. I don't even know why. I think the, the biggest problem I think I've had with uh, uh, DOMs though is not necessarily like the identifying like interesting aspects of it it's that it's too easy for me to overtrade when i spend too much time looking at it and i have a hard time like not looking at it 
Because everything starts to look good on a DOM because the numbers are yeah, flashing, right? Like that's like one of the that's one of the main things. But also at the same time, right? There's a way where you can just have your levels, for example, on a chart. You have those defining like volume profile distributions that are like 10, 15 points apart. And you kind of hide the DOM until the price gets into that level and you start navigating the DOM based on that, right? That's exactly what I've been doing. Perfect. <laughs> I will be adding though, I'm gonna be adding the replay aspect of it too. I think that's a phenomenal idea and I wish I had wish I had thought of it. <laughs> yeah, the replay, honestly, like there's no other way because like if you're not sitting in front of the computer, even if you are sitting in front of the computer all day looking at the DOM, are you mm -hmm. really gonna remember what had happened at those massive inflection points? Because they happen quickly, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, they do. Um one of the other things you were a huge proponent of was journaling. I remember uh, when you're doing the boot camp last year. Yeah. <laughs> like there was a real come to Jesus moment where I thought you were going to murder people through the uh, the recording. <laughs> Do you still find people, uh, um, I guess, what's the word, like hesitant to start that? Or have you made your point finally? Yeah, man, no one journals. I don't want to do that shit. Like no one, I, I still, I, like I know that people don't journal. Like it, you can tell, like it is what it is though. That's like up to them at that point. But like, I still think it's a pivotal fact, like to be able to journal, go through it, go back really intensively journal, understand exactly where your mistakes, what your, what your wins were, and like be able to replay that on a DOM on another environment, just look at the replay in general. Like, I think that's like a huge fact, but like a lot of people just like, they don't, they don't want to do it for some reason. And like, that's up to them, well, you know? I think like, what it comes down to is the psychology. Like if you look at losers, then you're acknowledging them and you're giving them, you're allowing them to become real, right? Yeah, sure. But like at the same time, it's just like, any any great person that does whatever extremely well right they do it through practice and like being able to like review their to be able to review their whatever whatever right. they do right whatever it's like game tape for athletes like that's the only thing that comes to mind i don't know what anyone else does but like <laughs> like i don't know give me an example like what other professions uh, chess like, you review your games yeah exactly like whatever it is even like doctors and stuff they're gonna review their like medical notes and everything right they gotta make they, they gotta make sure everything's like in tip top shape yeah. right it's if you're a performance type per like, i guess performance job if you will performance whatever this is career you get paid based on how well you do yeah like yeah. It, you're not going to get better without reviewing and and learning from those mistakes and like being able to to adjust and and grow from that right because if you like sit down every day in front of the screen and you're like all right let's see what the hell happens today right and then once that ends, you just like close and you're like, all right, well, let's move on with my day, right? It, like if you're doing poorly, you're not going to do any better, right? If you're kind of in the <laughs> right. middle and you're break even, you're not going to do any better. If you're doing good, then like maybe you get a God complex and it turns to shit at some point or maybe it doesn't, right? Yeah. Well, it, I mean, everything has a shelf life in the markets. So if you're not constantly trying to improve, I think you end up getting passed by. Yeah, exactly. Just like, I mean, look at the, the shifts that TradePro had to go through uh, in this past year, like shifting to, to selling credit spreads rather than YOLOing <laughs> Lotto Fridays. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, it's, it's a market, man. Like you got, if you're not adapting to a market, like it's, it's going to bite you in the ass realistically, right? Like if, if I'm looking for a 30 point move for the rest of my life, like I, I don't think I'm going to get them all the time. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. You might have some really good years, but you might have some really shitty ones too. Yeah, and then at the end of it all, it's just like you haven't done anything, right? <laughs> <laughs> all right, so where are you at now? Uh, 
in terms of? Uh, location. I'm in Tenerife. I'm in the Canary Islands. Where where are the Canary Islands? For some reason, it's, I don't know. It's right beside the Western Sahara. It's very close to Africa. Oh, okay. So what made you go there? Um, it's a part of Spain. I like Spain, but I also like warmer weather. And anywhere else in Europe, I wasn't going to get this kind of weather. Right now, no. it's their winter, so it's like it's not the craziest of warm weather, but like it's still like twenty-ish degrees on a daily basis. For, for is, all of us, I don't know yeah. how much Fahrenheit that is. Make me That's some math here. pretty much room temperature. It's probably like seventies, right? I'd say so. Like room temperature sounds about right. Like let's see, twenty C to Fahrenheit. Yeah, about sixty-eight. Yeah, that's decent for some uh, winter time. It's solid. I was here in December actually for a month, and it was. Uh, you're gonna make me do this math one second. <laughs> I usually have a, a calculator that I can flip over to do my unit conversions. In all of December, it was about eighty to eighty-five Fahrenheit. Yeah. So that was great. When I got here to begin yeah. with, the first two weeks was about the same. And then once February hit, it got a little more rainy season. But um, I think like next week it's going to shape up again. But like, I honestly just wanted somewhere that was like at least this warm so I could evade winter because I don't do any winter sports. I have an ACL <laughs> surgery. So, Oh, that's right. I remember you telling me you were supposed to be getting that done. Yeah, yeah, I got it done in April of, well, I guess, 2022, and like the recovery is still slow and grindy, but we're getting there. So I can't really do much activity, so I figured why not be somewhere hot and work from home. I'm just wondering why you didn't go uh, check out Texas or Arizona or Florida. Because that's still in North America. I wanted to be in Europe. Ah, I gotcha. Yeah. I gotcha. Okay, I got to ask you a Canadian question. I know you're not there anymore and probably can't put in a good word for me, but let's hear it. Um, I heard they changed some rules. So where if you like even have a DUI on your record, like you can never go back to Canada. What? Is that, is that true? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I heard uh, Dan Cummins, I think, talking about it on his podcast. He said he can't do shows in, in Canada because he had a DUI. I, pff, uh, that's, I don't know. I don't know. I was wondering if that was just something you guys did because uh, when Trump won the election, everybody said they're going to move to Canada. I thought maybe that was... <laughs> I'm like, wait, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> it was like no 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 one do uis no Honestly, criminal records i don't i don't all you guys stay home i don't think so i know well does that work for canadians as well do they like, kick them out of the country if they have duis <laughs> no i don't think so so like if you're a foreigner with he, a UI, you yeah. can't enter canada that's what i i mean as far as i know but i don't know I, I, here, I don't know if that's just has to do with visas or if that means like you can't even cross the border that was what i was hoping you'd clarify for me oh, that's, i don't know yeah i'll just google it can i enter canada oh Fucking thing must be listening to me. Was it the first thing that popped out? Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, let's see. You have to identify for a travel raver. <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> As a rule, DUI is considered serious criminality. In the previous law, any conviction is removed from record after ten years, but that changed in sixteen, I think, or eighteen. Must have been interesting. Yep. So, uh, I guess I won't be visiting George anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> I was in the Navy. I made some mistakes. Uh, that's. I feel like that's passable, though. I know, right? <laughs> All right. So let's uh, let's shift gears here and talk a little bit about um, what you think is going to happen next year. I remember you made some pretty pretty good predictions for us uh, when we did the Festivus recording. I mean, I think you called the top a little bit higher than what it actually ended up being, but I mean, you're still pretty pretty goddamn close. Yeah. That this is this is like one of the most um i think unreadable markets that i think a lot of people have seen right 
Um, mm-hmm. This is like this, this either, either we've bottomed right now where we're getting the craziest bear market rally of all time, which I think is the case right now. I think this is one of the most hated rallies. <laughs> right. I don't know how far it can go realistically. I think we've topped out maybe a bit higher max, but um, I think they might try to pull it back up around 4K uh, on the SPX, which is, mm-hmm. I don't know what on the futures. We can, we can find out on the futures. Uh, it's pretty close to the same. Like, I don't think it was that much different. Yeah, like, like maybe ten points. Yeah, maybe like tenish points, like around four k, right? Maybe another hundred point drop yeah. in the in the futures, and and I'd expect to see some kind of buy side, right? Like mm-hmm. some people are talking about like forty three hundreds, um, uh, before we see any lower. But I I don't necessarily think the market's bottomed out. If it has bottomed out, I do think we dip close to the lows again. I just think that on a macro perspective, it's it's a little harder to say that the market's um, bottoming out. Like you know the narrative between uh, the Fed soft landing versus yeah. uh, hard landing, right? Like the the narrative of a soft landing, which a lot of people are focused on and, and hoping for, I think is slightly increasing the probability of that, but I don't necessarily think it's the biggest probability. Um, mm-hmm. I think that there's still the issue of uh, the, I'd say, average inflation readings, right? Inflation, quote unquote, has peaked. It, it honestly looks like it's been peaking. Yeah. Um, but inflation is already is also cyclical, so you have to take that with a grain of salt. Um, who knows, right? The next inflation print, if it's a hot print, I think they go back to 50, 75 basis point hikes. And that's when we start Oof. to see some real trouble. Um, that inflation print is next week, by the way. Okay. Uh, on February, I think it's on the 14th on Valentine's Day. It might not be. It might be on the 12th. I don't know. It's one of the, it's not on the 12th. It's on the 13th or the 14th, something like that. CPI is usually on, is it on Wednesdays or Thursdays? I think it's usually on Wednesdays and then PPI on Thursdays. Yeah. Okay. So it should be the fifteenth. So one of those days, and it doesn't really matter that yeah. much. We'll we'll see it when it, when we get there. But the the overall um, reading, in my perspective, is that from a macro perspective, like retail, industrial production, right, all that, like housing, credit, um, just all of that is kind of building up for this not being the bottom. <laughs> like I think they haven't <laughs> right. really resolved a lot of those of those issues. Right. We still have. Um, fairly high inflation and for it to get subdued back into fed levels i think it'd take at least like another half a year to a year um, which if the fed doesn't stop tightening right it's very hard to see a market bottom um, mm-hmm. if they continue tightening by 25 bips then you know what like that's that's it's okay it's not anything outrageous but if they start gearing up to 50 and 75 again i think that's when we see lows um, if that happens, yeah. right? If they continue to tighten by 25 and we get above the 5% mark this year, that's fine. I think there's still a narrative for a soft landing in that case where we might see the low again. We might see just barely under the low or we might just kind of pull back and then it could be just green skies ahead like Tom Lee wants. But <laughs> overall, I think from a macro perspective, it's it's a little difficult to say that we're in a bull market right now. I think there's there's more pain to come. It's just a matter of when is this going to happen? Is it going to happen before we see 43, 4,500? Or is it going to be after we see those levels, right? And I know a lot of people are like, oh my God, like 
missing out on this rally they're getting fomo and and getting along at these tops a lot of retail at least like i don't think institutional money's been blasting longs at these highs right they've been long for a while now but no the i was watching the futures the sell-off when we topped out uh just was it close to 4200 like the strength and veracity that they came in at that point was something that looked pretty impressive you know what my fill on that was 4205 quarter Oh wow! You must have uh, must have banged that one. It wasn't it wasn't a crazy profit. It wasn't it wasn't the whole sweep, but it was. I was very very proud of that. <laughs> <laughs> one of the things that you told me when we were uh, just kind of chit chatting before the recording was that like, how can you be bullish with the Fed not pivoting yet? Like until the Fed pivot pivots, I think you'd said like that's yeah because. That's what this whole market's kind of like hinging on realistically. The Fed brought it up. The Fed's going to bring it down. The Fed's going to level it and it's going to let it ride again. Like when the Fed is tightening, they're pulling money supply out of this market, right? Like who, what, why would you be getting aggressively long thinking this is a low, right? Until the Fed changes their policy, it's hard to call a bottom, right? And if, if the Fed changes their policy like aggressively within the next like three months and 3,500 is the lowest that we've seen, then so be it. That's the bottom. But it, you're not going to be confident until something like that happens, right? And I'd rather be right. late on the long by like 10, 15% than get sliced through multiple times over to the downside, right? Yeah. Uh, what's the what's the thing George used to say? Bottom pickers get smelly fingers. Yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't, <laughs> mind, I don't mind bottom picking at a lower level though. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're not going to bottom pick at the same level yeah i have like 3300 set in mind honestly like i don't know if we get there but like that's an area where I'd, i wouldn't mind bottom picking 3400 i think was the one i'd kept watching for it's, are you looking at the one of the gaps no the gaps Philip. uh the pre-covid high was basically the the mark that i've been watching yeah that's that's an achievable region there's also an area like for me it's between 3300 and 3200 Right. There's a mm -hmm. few like spikes there that held out from October 2020 or September 2020, okay. whatever that case is. So right. it's the bottom of a of a of the distribution that created the the pre-COVID high. So the top of that mm -hmm. distribution is around thirty four hundred, the bottom of the distribution is around thirty two hundred. So within oh, that yeah, region okay. is an area that I wouldn't mind just being long for the long term realistically. Like if we start pulling back and there's signs of like really inflation subduing and the Fed leaning less hawkish, then you know what? I wouldn't mind starting to buy things at like 3,700, which I think, I still think by the end of the quarter, we see that 3,800 region again. Um, it's a bold call, but I think we're, mm -hmm. we're kind of topping out here at this point. Um, I could be wrong naturally, but. Well, here's the thing. I mean, like if you're talking about long-term investing anyway, like anything, lower than today is going to be a better deal for you especially if you're holding it for 15 20 years yeah realistically but i also want to be able to like somewhat time it so like the fed doesn't come out and raise right. 75 basis point next meeting and i get like destroyed <laughs> uh, actually you mentioned uh, uh not being a bull market i think uh, kramer we talked about was trying to say that just if you take out tech the big tech names that everyone's been watching then everything else is in a bull market <laughs> Like, what are your thoughts on that? Like, I please rip Kramer. Like, well, what the hell is he watching? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like, like, what? I don't like. What? What does he want me to type in right now? There are some names that have been sustaining really well, right? Great, but like, 
if the whole market's not in a bull market, then like I don't really understand what's going on. It's hard to like tech too when interest rates are still going. Yeah, up. like there are some names that have barely budged. Some names that are even like close to all time highs, like American Express, for example, one of my favorite holdings. Um, mm-hmm. Just to plug that in, but <laughs> like there are some names naturally. Like what was that one? UNH as well. UNH is like mm-hmm. it's sustaining pretty well. It's not at all time highs, but it hasn't like dumped aggressively from its highs. There are names that are like low beta that are doing okay in this environment because we haven't had a catalyst that like just destroys everything, right? Tech is doing poorly because it's a high inflation environment, right? That's not their ball game. Yeah. Well, yeah. Any growth stock is going to be hurting when money is more expensive. Yeah, exactly. So it's just it's a matter of like what your investment outlook is, right? If if like you said, like in 20, if you have like 20 years, then like, yeah, okay, anything lower than this price is probably going to be fine in the next 20 years. Um, but it's, I'm still cautious about if there can be one of those like significant catalysts that comes into this market and kind of stirs things up, you know? So you don't think the Golden Cross was that? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so dad brought up the stats on that. He's like, 70% of the time it was higher. What about the other 30%? It crashed. <laughs> this could be one of the 30%. The Fed's been hiking for like a year now. Like they're quantitative tightening, quote unquote. Like it's, it's just like the 30%. The dates he gave me was like Black Monday and like, <laughs> the, like, like bad sell offs. <laughs> like, you know, you know, you know what they say? Like, don't fight the Fed. Hmm. I never heard that, but uh, I definitely agree with it. If 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 the Fed is hawkish and they're tightening, and a lot of the Fed members see rates above five percent this year, it's not necessarily something that I want to I want to deal with, right? It's not something that I want to call bottoms on so, just yet. Like I didn't I didn't buy anything at the thirty five hundred, right? Could I could mm-hmm. could have I? Yeah, probably. But like, it's it's more of a me waiting for the Fed to kind of flip things around or clarify me waiting for some kind of economic relief right like for for the economy to actually look strong right now if big tech banks right if they're laying people off banks are like internally not giving raises nor bonuses right like there's turmoil in the jobs market it's not necessarily the ideal setup for me calling a bull market right yeah Although there are still, I mean, the jobs have been fucking phenomenal still somehow. Yeah, the in in depends on what industries you're looking at. I think the job number that came out on uh, on uh, what was it last Friday, at the mm-hmm. first Friday of February, that was like ridiculous. It was it was adjusted for something. It was th- those numbers are not, I would say, <laughs> the average or the true nature of the jobs added. Right, five hundred thousand blowout versus right. one hundred ninety thousand comparable. Right, it's. Yeah, yeah, something was. I was just wondering if we're going to see an adjustment to that, like, you know, 12 months down the road. Like, oh, no, we actually lost half a million. Yeah, we're probably going to see an adjustment next month. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, even if you look at one of the best indicators of all time for a market flip in a bear market, right? You're looking at the 10 and two years uh, yield, right? The spread, mm-hmm. it's still negative. Oh, it is still negative? Yeah. I thought the bond markets were pricing in rate cuts this year. They can be, that's fine, but it doesn't make it any positive. <laughs> Fair enough. Oh, boy. Shit, was there, one, there was one other thing I wanted to ask you about. Oh, uh, the fact you spoke to the tightening, and I assume you're talking about the, the balance sheet reduction. Yeah. Um, the last I had checked, it 
I mean, they say they're reducing the assets, but it really looks like they barely scratched the surface of like even starting to unwind any of that. Yeah, because they're still introducing some type of. I'm no economist, right? This is not my forte in terms of monetary policy, but like they're still introducing some kind of quantitative easing with the tightening, so it kind of balances out to be like a slightly net negative. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's what they're Um, doing. Do you think that they're going to pivot to that and really try to start unwinding that balance sheet with more authority? Maybe once you know inflation gets under control, they're just like allowing like the bonds to mature realistically, like the ones that had been set prior. So like. So just letting them fall off as they hit. Yeah, like I, I think they, they have a lot of tightening to do to actually get that thing back to uh, pre-COVID level. I don't think that's their goal naturally. but like, <laughs> I don't know that that's achievable at this point. <laughs> I don't, yeah, it's not a goal. It's not achievable. But like, it, I think they, they'd have to do a little more than just raise rates right now and just slightly unwind this thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah no kidding. All right. Um, last thing before we wrap up then, where can people find you if they want to learn more? You can find me at Trade Pro Academy, honestly, at tradeprocademy.com. We got a new futures course coming out. It's going to be exceptional. I'm putting a lot of work into it. Uh, there's probably going to be around 20 lessons on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're talking everything about the future. We're, we're breaking down pretty much everything about the futures market, how to actually develop a concrete trading plan based on order flow, the DOM specifically, and volume profiles, along with strategies and everything is you can implement it. You can also check us out at Discord. Again, it's going to be on Trade Pro Academy, the website. Uh, Discord, where we honestly post trades and trade ideas, setups, reviews on the futures market and options market daily and consistently. You can also find me at Torio Trades on Twitter. Check that out. I'll post some things there. Uh, I've been po- uh, I'm going to try to post a little more DOM videos there mm-hmm. um, and get you guys a little more educated on volume profiles and DOMs because that's that's how I like to trade. It's the golden ticket. I love it. We'll have links for all that stuff in the episode description. Um, and then I think uh, once that that um course drops do you want to you want to do reconvene after i had a chance to go through some of them yeah for sure maybe talk about some of the uh the stuff that we learned 100 all right love to do that all right folks uh, unfortunately is going to take us to the end of the episode vico has got sunbathing to do over in the canary <laughs> islands <laughs> i'm sure there's plenty of beaches and bottles that need to be <laughs> down exactly <laughs> Uh, I want to say thank you for for stopping by and for for supporting us for uh, you know I think what our friendship's probably been going on for about two years plus now at this point. Oh, I appreciate that, man. Like, thanks for having me on again. It's been a long time. I always love being on these. I always enjoy the invite whenever the time is convenient for both of us because recently I've been pretty busy, but <laughs> always always love being on these. I promise I won't let it go another year before I get you back on. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can make that promise too. It, <laughs> okay, it goes okay. both ways, right? <laughs> All right, folks. Uh, Thanks again for sticking around to the end. Uh, We'll be back soon with another exciting episode. Like, share, subscribe, all that jazz. Uh, Until then, take care. Thanks for having me on, and I'll see you guys in another episode. Bye. Two Bulls in a China Shop is an entertainment program, and all thoughts and opinions expressed in the show belong to the hosts and not of any company. They are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security or investment product. It is only intended to provide entertainment about stocks and the financial industry of trading. If you make trades based on what you hear in this show, you assume all risks for those trades.